It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans. My name is Brett Ballantini. Lucky enough to host Sox Populi podcast number 172. Uh, spring indeed has sprung. We are just underway with official spring training getting going with not just pitchers and catchers, but every player. They've been around in Glendale probably for like a month already. But, you know, okay, officially everybody's supposed to be there as a Monday and games get rolling by the end of the week. So, Really, to be honest, we can't put it off any longer. We have to actually acknowledge the it's going. new season beginning and the excitement that is just going to be palatable for all three of us, myself, Crystal O'Keefe, and Brian O'Neill, and somewhere out there, well, we will clearly, well, very likely hear from Willow, but also the silent partner in the podcast, although somewhere lurking about uh, in the uh, podcast studio of Brian O'Neill. Uh, okay, well, welcome to both of you. Uh, if, first off, <laughs> excitement meter, the excitement ometer uh, about the uh, 2024 season. Now we are in it. It's like we're in the, we've got a foot in the quicksand. We sort of probably can't climb out. Uh, so it's gonna pull us under probably before the regular season begins. But uh, is there even a sliver of excitement for all this getting rolling? Yeah. I mean, it's baseball. All right. We're starting a season. There are a lot of unknowns, which is normally terrifying. Like last year, it seemed like there were not as many unknowns. It seemed like it was going to crater, and it did. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not going to be a good season, but our expectations are so low. When you talk about the excitementometer, like, yes, if it's on a scale of one to 100, it's definitely buried in the blue. But, you know, if you look at the slight sliver of what we might expect normally, it's not totally it's not it's not the worst possible it doesn't feel as bad as i don't know 2017 
2018 to me anyway. So even though in reality, we might sort of be mired in a, a similar position because even though nobody's acknowledging it, we're in like another rebuild. So in, in all likelihood, the results are going to be the same. What? Because it's a little less um, formal or or maybe because the division's weak, there's a, there's a chance for um, sunlight in a way that we weren't expecting or uh, what makes it different from, say, the late teens? I still give us a 0.0% chance, but I think you nailed it. Like, yeah, those years we were like, all right, well, these are going to be our years in the wilderness before we get good. And we knew we had to suffer for it. Now it just feels like a bad baseball team, which, you know, I grew up in the eighties. I was used to that. I understand how that works. Um, it's not good, but there definitely feels like the foot's off the accelerator a little bit. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's very bleak. This is very much like picking, I don't know, dead flowers out of the living mud or whatever T.S. Eliot said about April being the coolest month. But like, I don't know. It's just baseball. It's spring. This is the day where you'll be the most excited. Yeah. All year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because tomorrow it's going to be worse. And the next day it's going to be worse. You're right. We are at peak. Like I said, just like a toe, maybe not a foot, a toe in the quicksand. And, you know, that probably is going to be our, our best, like, um, <laughs> status for all of 2024. <laughs> lost a single game. No one. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, Crystal, I'm guessing you might not be as thrilled with the start of things, but yeah, it's sort of where are you at on the I, excitement amateur? I am so excited to watch Aloy Jimenez play 150 games. Oh my god! Totally, totally. I can't wait to see him and his buddies just having a good old time in the outfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, Luis, which, I mean, that's a stretch. Luis, Yoan Mancada, and Aloy Jimenez, I believe that is the prediction. Of course, this is spring training, and it's like the very start of spring training. So you're going to get the craziest pie-in-the-sky marshmallow quotes right at the start of everything because, you know, once Eloy plays like a couple games, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. These games do make me sore, and oh, I had to run. I touched first base. I felt a little tweak. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to get sort of revised quickly, but the idea that those that trio is going to play 450 games, whoo, man, I hope that is on a line somewhere. I'm not a betting man, but, boy, if it was, I might be tempted because, wow. That, that's the exciting thing about spring is trying to see the circumlocutions of sports writers. Yeah, I saw the headline you're talking about where it's like, Eloy Jimenez looks to play 150 games. Like, I look to do a lot of things. Right? <laughs> it's not going to happen. But, I mean, it sounds better than dreams or fantasizes he's going to play 150 games. Well, but, I mean, he doesn't have an appendix now, so that can't burst. Something that can't go wrong, right? Right, yeah. Um, I mean, I just have to think, you know, it's got to be great for them. Like, Yohan Moncada is not made out of glass. Um, Eloy is so great at fielding balls and not injuring himself, celebrating on the field. So I have to think that it's gonna it's gonna be his year. So let me ask you this: If any human could possibly have appendicitis twice, <laughs> it would be him. Oh, it would it'd be him. <laughs> and it's a medical miracle. Yeah, he'd have like a two-year or one-year, whatever, delayed like um, irritation from the surgery. So it's like a little piece was still in there. Or yeah. yeah. I still think it's just because he ate Skyline, Skyline Chili. Like I feel like his appendix is still in there, but he had to come up with like a, a not embarrassing reason to be in the hospital. Like I was there at the time. And that was my first thought, like, oh, he's 
not playing today did he eat the chili that i've been warning everyone mm-hmm. to not eat wisely uh yeah and plus he knows like i'm usually shelved half the season so even though this you know i mean this is gonna end up to be a pretty long con but i mean all right i'm gonna miss these games anyhow so you know it doesn't really matter that you know it's sort of a, a made-up kind of thing okay um counterpoint these are in all likelihood as we saw the um harsh and cruel treatment of uh, Tim Anderson having a, a, a woebegone season, but I mean, really, his only one. And the White Sox said, well, enough of that. We can't possibly pay you whatever it was, you know, 10 million, 12 million to come back and possibly do that again. Um, in all likelihood, the White Sox aren't picking up uh, options for uh, two of those guys. Is there any chance that they're like, hey, wait, <laughs> got to get paid? You know, the buyout for Yohan, I think, is $5 million. I'm guessing it'd be – Eloy's contract isn't that much anyhow, so maybe he has come back no matter what, even if he plays 50 games a year, whatever. But any chance these guys are going to actually – is this is this a bit of a tell with the 150 games promise where it's like – Okay, we're actually going to find another gear. I don't know. I, You know what I see? I just see them all. I think they're all going to play 160 games. They're just going to be playing in different positions because no one wants to come to this team. It's like, hey, Andrew Benatendi, how are you at shortstop? <laughs> um, hey, we saw. I mean, they kept him, and he's had – uh, what was it? A record of maybe four home runs last season. That's not four times. That's four Nomar Mazaras. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, well, actually, that's a, that's a really good question. Like, do can baseball players turn it on like that? Like, I can see that in basketball or even football, like on your contract year. But I don't know. You both know baseball so much better than I do. Is that is it a thing where people can actually do that? No. <laughs> Yeah, what you but you know who could do it. I'm going to say it's time to bring Yulmer back. Yulmer do literally everything. He can do everything, not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> always very well, but with a good humor. With a good humor, yeah. Great yeah. glasses. Yeah, um, he's amazing. He's, I love Yulmer. He was one of the big reasons I um, became a White Sox fan. I saw mm. that. Gatorade shower he gave himself, and I was like, I am in. Yeah. Yeah, that's when absurdity was still sort of like voluntary on the White Sox. You're like, hey, this is sort of – I like that somebody's so wacky that, you know, there's some statement being made here. Now, of course, the absurdity is all just (laughs) – it's not necessarily intentional. It's actually sort of depressing. It's sort of far past depressing now. Um, I think Jose Abreu also listened to this podcast because I read somewhere that he took up Pilates in the offseason. Really? Well, he knows who to call if he wants some direct one-on-one training. The White Sox are going to take you up on uh, working through what, like 150 guys together. They got like eight billion guys in camp. I mean, that's going to be a pretty unwieldy class if you were asked to do. But you take it on, Crystal. You'd say, "All right, let's give it a chance. Give me a microphone. We can do this." Pilates is not easy, so yeah, yeah. super hard. And in lieu of the White Sox not. Uh, you know, taking advantage of <laughs> your sort of continuous offer, whether it's opening bottles for players or just uh, leading the Pilates and the stretching. Hey, Jose, when I want a bad <laughs> season last year, so I mean, could probably use the help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think guys can. I mean, I mean, it, it presumes you can flip a switch, and I won't necessarily go that far, but 
knowing, you know, and again, for neither of these guys is like the end near. No, these guys will have a job, whether with White Sox or somewhere, at least for, they're not going to flush out of baseball. Even Tim Anderson, even coming off of a season on the wrong side of 30, uh, coming off a season where, you know, maybe maybe nobody should give him a chance based just on that season, uh, seems like he's going to get a, you know, nibble somewhere for probably far less money than he wants or maybe deserves. Um, so these guys aren't even necessarily there yet, but still you want to stay on sort of the, the, you know, the higher end of, 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 of dough. And, uh, you know, not that that's what this is all about. This is there's just some sort of underhanded criticism here, but I mean, we're just talking about two guys who have managed not to really suit up, who found their way into some crazy injuries, and frankly, on the field, haven't always performed the way that you know certainly we were led to believe they would. That's why the White Sox, you know, extended both these guys. Eloy got the contract before he had played a major league game. Uh, and Yohan obviously had not had a lot of time. He he was a he was a later after uh, uh, Rubber and um, Eloy, but I mean he came pretty early as well. Uh, and they have not necessarily rewarded the faith that the White Sox have shown. Um, it'd be great if at the end of the year the White Sox really had a hard decision to make. I mean if 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 Yohan has a you know I say a four war season, the season that we think he should have, maybe year in year out. Well, then that's probably a guy you pick up. You know, I mean, the White Sox do not have the luxury to be like, nah, good players, forget it. I mean, even though the, even if the price tags are high, I mean, you do need winning players. So if both these guys put up the numbers we've sort of been holding our breath and waiting for, well, then they're easy pickups. So, I mean, let's just hope they can get out there and do that salary drive or not. Again, this is an underhanded criticism for me. I'm not trying to diss these guys, oh, but yeah. it's, a, I mean, it's a legitimate question because it just hasn't happened now for, I mean, years the balance of their careers and that that's such a shame because john in particular boy you really thought you had the man maybe more so i would argue more so than luis back when those two were the two you know in and nascent enough point in their careers i think i would have gone uh, beyond obviously honestly because he just he seemed like maybe potentially even more dynamic than Luis Robert, and that probably speaks to my ignorance of Luis robert but there was certainly a time where it was not a crazy take to say Yohan is the guy, and you know, since the the the, the pandemic and and him getting sick, it just really just hasn't it hasn't been, been the same for him, and it's such a shame because you know another what if with the White yeah. Sox. I mean, his swing still one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and and the, and the quiet bat drop, you know. You yeah, know. Oh, it's perfect. It's you know, perfect. come on, you know, that's a statement. Yeah. I think last podcast I came close to, and then I think Malik, some somebody disavowed me of the notion, and I, I try to walk myself back. Although you know, again, it's 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 recorded, and uh, yeah. and Melissa Sage Molenbach's son has probably put it out on TikTok somewhere to mock me, like the time I complimented Rick Hahn. But uh, I edged pretty close to complimenting Chris Getz and the approach he's taken as a GM, and the fact that he has seemingly established himself as at least someone different, maybe not better different than Rick Hahn, when I think a lot of us may have thought, well, this is just carbon copy and could still prove to be true. But I want to throw out the fact that the players are not impressive, but he has actually made the move to bring a lot of guys into this camp and to follow the Malachi Hayes philosophy of for for a, a, a rebuild to work or for a team, any team, the, you know, Houston Astros, the teams at the top of, of the league to be successful. You always need those guys who sort of come out of nowhere, give you that, give you that season, the 2005 White Sox or 83 White Sox, great examples. You have those types of seasons and that just contributes to putting together 90, 95, 100 wins. Uh, 
the more guys you have like that, the chances are somebody might click. Johnny Cueto is a, a decent example from a, a couple of years back. White Sox had a little bit of that, but Rick Hahn seemed to think he was limited in the guys he could bring in, offer mm -hmm. contracts. Not everybody's going to come in and say, oh, sure, I'd like to play for the Charlotte Knights, but there's a lot of guys out there who have a lot to prove who say, you know what, worst case, I'm playing in Charlotte. I can handle that, especially knowing I'm probably going to be up with the White Sox. Says, Look at that, what that major league team's going to be. Uh, so Getz has definitely laid out position players and probably still not enough pitchers, but in terms of just a bulk, he's got 10, 20 guys in camp that's like, all right, a couple of these guys are probably going to click and stick. That seems to be a different approach than what Han has needed to do in good times or bad. What's the impression of the fact that it's just a lot? I mean, you can make fun of it because there's like more guys in camp than ever is legally possible. I think, uh, I think organizations can only have like 150 players this year. There's now a new limit. Um, in, in playing games. So, I mean, I think they're all in the White Sox camp right now. But, uh, you know, the more you throw up against the wall, especially when you got nothing to lose, seems to be not a bad strategy. Again, I do not want to compliment Chris Getz, but it's different. It feels like we're actually going to have, in every position, people who will are able to play that position. And that, yeah. in and of itself, is damning, but it's like... <laughs> Yet still, it's still yet still improvements. You don't love breaking camp with Nicky Lopez as your starting second baseman or Paul DeJong, yeah. but they know how to play the position. They actually yeah. can play it. We're not just being like, "Ooh, this guy hit a little bit in AAA. Let's stick him at second base. Why not?" Um, so yeah, that is a different approach. Like we went into the last few years being like, "This is what our starting line is going to be, regardless of position that they actually play." And yeah, in terms of like people who click, I mean, there are. There's a, there's a handful of people. I mean, you know, Fletcher might have a year. I actually, I'm excited sort of about Brett Phillips. Like he's a really good fielder or he is traditionally bad. And this is how bad things are. I was looking up his um, fan graphs, the Zips three year projection. They project him at a 0.5 war, which is so much better than our right field has been for years. Yeah, it's, that's not negative. I believe if I heard you right, Brian. That's not a negative number. And um, it's pretty much been like for yeah. a decade. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a guy who's bounced. He's not really been successful in the majors, but you thought, all right, I see his glove a couple times, and he's done some good things. So that would be that'd be my uh, outside pick to. Click. I, and and here and, and let me make you feel even better about that pick, Brett Maverick Phillips. Middle name oh. Maverick. Tell me that guy's not going to have 0.5 or just based on middle name. That really is. Come on, that's really his middle name, Brett Maverick Phillips. He's got to be a goof who pitches and does the antics he does with a middle name like that. I mean. You know, nature versus nurture. But, yeah, I think of my middle name is Maverick. I'm going to be a little bit of one of those out there major league players. Uh, Crystal, your thoughts on, on having 8,000 guys in camp? I mean, yeah, it's I, I kind of agree with the whole seeing what sticks idea. Um, but at the same time, I've watched so many players have an excellent spring training and then – they get to the start of the season and you're like, where did that guy go? And Dylan sees is a perfect example of it. You know, if you exclude his one phenomenal year, mm -hmm. he always looks great in spring training. And then the second he gets to the mound, you're like, where the hell did he go? Where? So <laughs> yeah, it's great that they're, they're actually trying something different this year, but I don't ever trust how anyone's going to translate once they're on the field. Yeah. And I mean, we are, you know, we're, 
I mean, I, I guess I thought to talk about this because I've been, you know, down on the names and it's just all these anonymous guys and, and you sort of want to criticize it, but I think we'll wait. <sighs> you know, of course we should be, we should be, we don't have, we should not be at the kid's table. We're chronically at the kid's table. Now here even under Getz, right? He hasn't been given a blank check. He hasn't been given any check. They've been cutting, cutting, cutting costs. And I suppose if you're rebuilding, though they're not formally announcing that, they think they say they think they're going to compete with this strange like 4A team that they have, which I guess crazier things could happen. It's not a tough division. So, I mean, it's theoretically possible despite the 0.2 or 0.0 playoff chances at this point. Uh, so... I, I do want, and I think the criticism is still valid because there's no reason why there's still legit, there's still even now legitimate major league players looking for a home. Certainly, you know, I mean, okay, White Sox aren't going to sign like Snell or whatever, but okay, there are legitimate players even now. Spring training begins, like it is every year. Uh, who the White Sox could grab? I'm probably on the cheap in terms of both year commitment. You know, uh, Bellinger's a guy who's probably going to take like a year or two deal just because it's going to be like this sort of like prove me deal because he wants to like roll it out out again next year after he's had another, you know, I don't know, some other great year and he's going to get his uh, $800 million contract. The White Sox are not feeding at the, you know, at, at the top of the chain there, but I guess, you know, um, it, it is a little too rough to criticize given the fact that I know a year ago or two years ago when the White Sox were in different stages of, you know, whatever expectations, you know, coming off a division win and then coming off whatever the heck that 500 season was where I guess there was still theoretically still optimism or possibility, different squads, but Han in both cases did not stock the way, you know, you think he would do, especially when guys probably have given a choice between playing for the White Sox, a team that might be aspiring to playoffs and a, maybe a middling team uh, that they would probably, if, if the, if the offers equal, they're going to go to a team that, you know, might have a chance to get your ring, get a playoff share, uh, get some great exposure. Uh, and Han, again, seemed like he thought there was a rule against doing that. And so it, it is at least refreshing, even though the names are not exciting at all, Maverick aside, of course, um, you know, that they're just guys in camp because you do figure a few guys are going to distinguish themselves. Like, say, Cactus League MVP every year, you know, Adam Engel, but then maybe a, then even a couple of those among that group might actually extend it into having a pretty good season. The Johnny Cuetos, he, I mean, he wasn't even pitching well at Charlie. He came to the White Sox. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be your guy. Nobody expected that. I know I was downplaying, like, what's this guy going to do to save this team as a fifth starter? And he ended up being, you know, like pretty close to the team's best starter. Go, go figure. Um, so, I mean, I guess a, a cap tip for at least trying a little bit different, running a bunch of guys out there. I mean, okay, Mike Moustakis and like eight billion Royals. I mean, that's definitely worthy of criticism, but I guess that still even technically counts as getting guys in here and having to earn a spot and maybe having this crazy like roll out, roll the ball, roll the bag of balls out onto the field and just see what happens among 60 guys. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it when your team sort of sucks, I guess. It's like, well, okay, why not? Well, it, it reminds me so much of Moneyball, but if it was not successful. <laughs> like, all I picture is like, Billy, Mike Moustakis is blah, 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 blah. Like, that's, it just reminds me of that scene. Like, I just see yeah. Jonah Hill saying yeah. that to us. Um, and that's troubling. 
it's like a rough cut, like the student film version of that movie that sort of never really went anywhere because it's like, wow, that actually sort of sucked. And then the I real movie got made. Moneyball sad instead. <laughs> yeah, they're like, why do we like Mike Moustakis? Because he's affordable. Right. right. Yeah. 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 It's impossible to be romantic about baseball. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. But yeah. The jo the joke instead of being on all the other teams, the joke would be on yeah the joke would be on the White Sox. You know. Which I mean, they're barely above the A's at this point. So yeah, and yeah, we don't really need a movie to realize that we're making fun of the White Sox because that's what we do in each one of these podcasts. All right, we are going to talk a little bit more about the team. I have one more question for my esteemed guests, our top 20 story writing uh, guests. And uh, we're going to talk maybe about, oh, I don't know, why not talk about a new ballpark? Because there's certainly don't want to talk too much about the team. We'll do that after the break. Give us a minute. Uh, thoughtfully consider whatever it is Fans First Sports Network wants to sell you. It's no doubt a good product. We promise we'll be back in one minute to talk a little bit more about the White Sox and some other stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, White Sox fans. I am Brett Ballantini. I'm hosting Sox Populi 172 with two of my best friends in the whole wide world. And yes, writers of top 20 SB Nation baseball stories, including... Crystal's take, we're going to get to it at the end of this podcast, a little bit wider discussion of the 78. She took a very specific uh, um, angle coming out of some conversation, one of one of our many, uh, the 78 stories we've already published, uh, talking safety that uh, got a lot of legs, that got some attention uh, site-wise. And of course, you know, Ryan O'Neill knows to punch in the right Verses, quotations, references to uh, create uh, magic for us on a routine basis. So yeah, I, you know, it's old hat for him. Yeah, well, all right, but hey, what 
by any means necessary. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, one question I have, I guess, coming out of where we uh, ended first half of this podcast, and that is just running a lot of guys out. I think I already mentioned the fact that probably still short of pitching uh, because truthfully, this team doesn't still doesn't have a rotation. Best case scenario, you've got Dylan Cease, of course. You've got, I can't really say Michael Kopech, but oh, okay, maybe Michael Kopech, I guess. Um, and then uh, a pitcher who had success in the KBO one season. And then basically, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but nobody else. So, I mean, that's going to be a problem. But does the fact that there's just a lot of arms in camp, and again, theoret- I, I believe even though the major leagues this year, I think this is the first year, are going to be limited the total number of players they can have in their system. I forget what the number is. I should know this. But it, it's not just a free-for-all. If you want to have 60 minor league teams, you're not allowed to do that anymore because – I don't know, MLB doesn't want people playing baseball or more games to watch, or I don't know what Manfred and, and baseball's deal is, but there's a restriction there now. So Charlotte can't carry, I guess in theory, can't carry, you know, 50 players if they want to. And, you know, up in these last couple of years, they could. They could carry 20 pitchers. Um, so with that limitations in mind, not necessarily a big factor here, but the fact that there's a bunch of arms, some who will break camp north with the White Sox, some who won't and will go to Charlotte, but clearly there's going to be some lot of frequent flyer miles piled up, more than probably usual between Charlotte and Chicago. Uh, ultimately, that is a good thing, but it really doesn't pave over and fill in the pothole that is this rotation because there basically is no rota- rotation, especially when you figure Dylan Cease's days do seem numbered, whether it's a trade deadline or not, do seem numbered uh, this year for the White Sox. So the White Sox essentially go into the season with, cease aside, no starting pitchers. That's a problem, right? I mean, you've been in baseball longer than me. I'm guessing. Yeah, I think so. It seems like it is a problem to not have pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, with Kopech's injury history, you could have Eric Fetty, your number one starter, by May. Yeah. And, like, there's something going to watch bad baseball, which is fine, but there's some time where it's like, why am I even here? Like, that's where the start that, – that's the real kick for this season is if there's no one who can start a game, like, it just gets depressing. That's the more depressing thing than bad baseball. I mean, we can tell Chris Getz, you know, there's other ways to measure how much you've improved. If you're really chuffed about the fact that you've improved the defense, credit due, does seem like that's the case. I think you said it, Brian, guys can catch the ball. Awesome. Mm-hmm. There's other ways to do that aside from like just roll out, you know, roll roll, roll me as open day starter, Brian coming up second, Crystal as our number three to just put balls in play. I mean, it's we're going to see that the that the team can catch the ball without – you know, it doesn't have to be a dare kind of thing from cats. It's like, it's going to happen. You know, every day um, gets a little darker where I think actually the red, it was not a fair trade. After all, the Red Sox really did win that deal because mm. Chris Sale is still fine and has been injured and has been coming back. And Every single year, as much as I defend this man, mm-hmm. every single year I say, this is going to be the year that Michael Kopech gets it. Like, he puts it together. He gets it. His arm's not going to fall off. He's going to stay healthy. And then by May, I'm just like, well, there's there's next year, I guess. He could do it next year. 
It's bleak. It's very distressing. Yeah, yeah. That was almost a can. I mean, I hate to say it because, of course, Sale did win a ring in, in Boston. Was a star pitcher there before he got hurt. Um, and got paid a lot more. Which I mean, let's face it. Bottom line, that that's an issue too. You know, you get paid to be a star, and and these guys came in, you know, cheap. Um, of course, because they're uh, not established players. That was almost a no-lose trade. And I think the Whites, I mean, I don't know that they've lost it per se, but they clearly haven't won in a way they should have almost backed into doing. The mm -hmm. fact that just either one of those two guys, if not both, breaking out enough, putting stringing together three seasons enough to say, okay, yeah, we know that Sale went to Boston, as far as we know, didn't tear up any uniforms, but did, you know, won a ring, contributed to winning, you know, shot his mouth off, got traded, what got hurt, whatever. Um, you know, okay, a wash. Or maybe, hey, no, not really a wash because, look, we have this foundation player. Even if he runs off somewhere else to free agency, okay, that's a win for the trade. I mean, at this point, I, I think maybe best best case could be – I mean, draw the, it's they're playing with house money at this point with Kopech and, and Moncada still on the roster, but I'm just not sure they're going to advance enough to say, oh, yeah, they, yeah they, they came out winning. I mean, we shouldn't even be having this discussion – this trade should have been a win in the pocket of the White Sox. You sort of have to win a trade like this. And, you know, all of us were applauding. We we're so thrilled. Oh, my God, you got the, the former number one prospect and, and the, 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 the best pitching prospect in, in a good system. No brainer. You know, we ignore the fact he punched, you know, broke us, you know, got in fights and, you know, what didn't work out too well. So good point, Crystal. I mean, Speaking of Boston, <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> before we get to the stadium, that will never happen. Mm -hmm. um, Liam Hendricks is now on the Red Sox, signed for a year, and my heart is broken. Yeah, I mean, for any any argument that could have been made that you know he's an older um, guy, he's coming off of. Like, a cancer diagnosis and a major surgery that, you know, that he pitched with for like eight years or, you know, whatever his, his claim is like, okay, he's, he's done. Right. I mean, that's not the craziest take. He's a, he's an older guy's, you know, he's been through a lot, right. Done. Well, the fact that Boston signs for two years, guaranteed 10 million and what I think can make like 20 million. I mean, that's a commitment to a guy, not the way the White Sox made it because things have changed, but that's a commitment to a guy. So that's not just squeaking by. So this notion that the White Sox shouldn't have kept him because they couldn't have flipped him for anything at a deadline or that he's just, you know, couldn't contribute now to the team. The White Sox still have to pay him. Jerry Saban, like some, some interest. I mean, okay. It's sort of sad that you take the guy who is a leader of your team, as strange as it might be to talk about a closer that way, he qualifies. And without it's not like Liam was saying, I don't want to be on this team. You know, this isn't the right situation for me. I don't want to be a jerk about it. But he wanted to be on the team. And I don't think that was just he's saying, you know, he's saying what you expect him to, you know, like he's being polite. I don't think he's going to be polite about that. He's going to be like, hey, you know, this just is not, What's the point of me being here? Let's try to work something out, right? You know. Yeah. No. Liam's not a, a guy who holds his tongue. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it just, it'll never, that's one of the things that'll never make any sense. He's beloved by the fan base. He he felt like the South Side. He just adopted it. I mean, the South Slider, like, it just, everything about it was great. And, I mean, not that the Red Sox necessarily are going to be great, but obviously I didn't want to see him languishing at the end of his career on this mm -hmm. team. So there's part of me that's like, well, I'm glad he got yeah. out. But it also just, you want guys to root for. 
And I'm not saying that there aren't on this team. I mean, I love Luis. I love, yeah, I, mean, I still love Moncada. There's a lot of good guys on the team. But Liam was just this guy where you're like, yeah, this man is actually proud. His work with the LGBTQ community, just everything. Like, just, you just love the guy, this little bulldog who's on the right side of everything and who just embodied what it meant to be a White Sox fan. Like, fucking loved it. And just doesn't make any sense why we lose it for chump change. Yeah, and those guys you mentioned, uh, uh, Brian, yeah, certainly there are plenty of, hopefully will be even more, you know, Maverick aside, will be guys to root for on this team. But the fact that Liam, like, you know, he almost came across as, I don't want to say like a fan, but I mean, it, it seemed like he was willing, he was, he, he carried, he, he felt the weight of the team, felt the weight of circumstances. You felt more than the average player. He's sort of one of us. It matters to him, and I guess it's not a veiled criticism of other players either. But he just he just wore it on his sleeve in so many different ways, and then finally this last year sort of became about him, and he wore that on his sleeve as well. That's just so refreshing, easy to root for, and the idea that the White Sox it wasn't like oh we lost the bidding war because we wanted to bring him back. It's just like yeah oh hey you're our Carlos Rodon for the year yeah just get out you know just get out of here you know even on good terms like what what are you doing and why are you doing? There's a role for him. You know, I mean, even if he's not able, and you know he's going to pitch sooner than he's supposed to. You knew that was going to happen. He might be breaking camp with the team, for God's sake. He was he played last year sooner than he should have. He just he just does that <laughs> with cancer yeah. and a busted arm. <laughs> Let's not forget, he's like, that was actually predated cancer. <laughs> a little different down under. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, baseball's not usually a game where it's rewarded to have a guy who people chew through glass Mm -hmm. Liam is one of those rare people mm -hmm. who the team responds to, and that's mm -hmm. awesome. And I don't know. Who, yeah, I mean, to your point, brother, what you're saying, maybe there'll be a couple of guys who click, and maybe the strangest things can happen. And it's probably not going to happen. But if you have a guy like Liam, it seems a little more possible just because people want to run through a wall for him. Yeah, we want to see who it's going to be. But right now, I don't think it's unfair to say there's nobody. Maybe somebody imported in, like one of the veteran catchers, sure. But they're new. You, you can't just assume that, right? Um, you know, Robert, I mean, that's not really what he's going to do. Eloy, Benintendi, I mean, there's not really – Tim Anderson would have a guy who came to the, the front of the list a, a year ago. Andrew Vaughn's not going to be that guy. There isn't that guy. You know, I know there's a lot of turnover on the roster, but. Are you saying you wouldn't run through a wall for Andrew Benatendi? <laughs> Benny! Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. We're probably distantly related, too. So, I mean, I what can I say? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that, just, it's that X Royals factor. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess not. I guess maybe if he hits just a couple home runs, maybe I'll say, all right, I'm on the Benatendi train. You're two. If he could break two. five. If you could just break <laughs> five. Right. We're not asking for double digits. If he could break double digit fingers, like that's that's something. Mm, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, uh, we will talk more about the team as the spring goes on, whether we want to do it or not. But let's not ignore another thing that's been going on with the White Sox, and that is the 78. I don't know when we last last when we last left off talking about this project, it almost feels silly to be giving actual real time and space to it, given the impossibility of it all. But let's pretend that it's, you know, actually a straight up legit, you know, idea that could possibly happen. And somehow 
uh, the key factors in the state of Illinois will be injected with whatever drug enough for them just to nod along and uh, rubber stamp whatever Jerry Reinsdorf is asking for, as apparently is what happened, you know, uh, 35 or whatever years ago. Um, and just talk about what's going on, including the fact that the White Sox expects, uh, I don't know, like a billion, a billion and a half dollars to somehow just be uh, um, flushed into this project. Um makes it seem makes what seemed implausible perhaps to begin with all the more so now that we have what many predicted what many anticipated to be you know sort of the other shoe dropping rather quickly and that is oh yeah and here's what we expect someone else to pay even though we are a private business that does very 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 well uh is this is this i mean is this is this dead now where are we at with it i'm going to be a little more cynical and say it's not Okay. I mean, politicians love cutting ribbons. Okay. And I think, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of J.B. Pritzker. And he had a quote today or the other day where he said, like, oh, it's beautiful renderings, but we want to do this in a fiscally responsible way, which is not a no. Well, in a way, true. he said, we want to do it in a fiscally responsible way, not thinking Ryan Stuff was going to ask for money. <laughs> and he obviously knows this score. And he come in and be like, all right, well, we negotiated down to 850 million, even if eventually it's going to be a billion because the things always go over, then everyone wins. Uh, literally everyone wins, but the politicians can say we mm-hmm. bring in all this money for less than the billionaire owner wanted and Jerry can get whatever he wants. And it's powerful people wanting to do powerful things. And at some point the money becomes imaginary. But but a quick follow-up right back at you, yeah. Brian, because, again, we're talking about decades ago. I remember those days. I think all of you might have been around to remember those days. Maybe not, Crystal. I don't know. At any rate, uh, different fandoms, different stages of fandom. I was ready to swear off the White Sox as I thought the extortion was preposterous because I was so wise at 18. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but that said, Reinsdorf, he won – Ransdorf was given, honestly, probably more than he thought he was going to win in that little battle. So is he going to be, I mean, I get totally get the point of, well, we can sort of meet in the middle. Ransdorf still makes like a billion dollars. I mean, it's all good for him, sure. But is he going to be satisfied providing in five years he's like still there, you know, uh, iron, you know, fist of the team? is he going to be sad? Is he going to accept anything less than total victory based on just precedence? I know we're talking, you know, 30, 40 years ago, but still. That's a really good question. And I don't know the economics of it enough. I mean, $1 billion is an extremely round number to throw out there. So if you throw that out there, knowing that it's not actually going to be a billion dollars, Reinsdorf is still smart. Like he's insulated and he's embittered and he, like you said, he's clawing at power at all times. But it's easy to throw out a huge number if you want a slightly less huge number and you're going to be satisfied with the win. Jerry doesn't care about perceived as winning. He cares about Mm -hmm. if he gets his money. So if he takes a loss by it not being a billion dollars, but still gets whatever he wants. That's true. I I just question the return on investment for this. Oh, I, to- I totally agree with you 100%. Like, it's not a win for the state. No. In terms of, yeah. I mean, they're going to be charging a dollar per 
plastic bag at grocery stores now with this. Because, um, you know, the city's broke. There's not a, you can't shake a million out of the couch cushion, a billion or a million out of the couch cushions. What? Hold on. Come on. Um, you know, when I saw the renderings and I know this is stupid, so you can both sh shoot me down here. And, and I know there's not, I mean, this is just an em uh, so-called empty lot, to, so empty that there's not even like plumbing or whatever. Okay. I get it. This is a different property than the Bridgeport Armor neighborhoods where Comiskey Park was. Uh, New Comiskey is, but when I see some of the the, the highfalutin uh, renderings, and of course they've got to be right because you've you've got to draw people in, you've got to get people talking about it, like we're even doing here, even though the three of us are pretty cynical about it, saying, you know, come on, really. Uh, but it, I have to say, when I see those, I think, well, now wait, why? Especially when they're actually going to, I don't know, prescribe to put the the, the, the soccer um, stadium where the, the the ballpark is now. Is there no way to incorporate these elements to the Bridgeport and Armour neighborhoods where they are right now? Does it have to? Does it have to be this thing where the where the where the Braves decide to just erase their stadium every you know twenty years because they find a better deal? I mean, I get that Reinsdorf wants to do this because it's just going to fill his pockets more, and I guess uh, it'll be a better ball. It'll be pointing the right direction because Lord knows there's nothing more important for a ballpark than for it to be pointing the right direction. But, you know, of course he's going to get a new toy, but it does seem to me like with all the work being put in this, I mean, couldn't some of this work be applied to truly making what, what the Comiskey area, what the, the Bridgeport armor right there area has never been, or it's been a long time since it's been, uh, and just try to work on making that, um, more habitable and and even a better neighborhood than it already is and something that even catered toward i mean if the price tag would be 250 million to revamp that neighborhood and make it as as circus-like and mall-like as wrigley is like turning uh, even on the state's dime i mean is that not even a mid option here because it's like you know this all or nothing it just doesn't seem like it's going to fly mm -hmm. I don't, I want to answer your question, but I think when you think about the 78, Discovery Partners Institute is the only, is the only thing that's guaranteed sure. to be on the 78, the scientific community funded by the state. It's really cool. Um, I actually worked with them on their website. Like, it's very cool, but that's it. And the 78 has been a gleam in urban planners eyes for an extremely long time. And so revamping Armour Square and Bridgeport, as good of an idea as that might be, and as workable as that might be, that lot is crying for an anchor. Yeah. And the urban planners and the state and the city want something there that's going to make this the bridge between everything. And so regardless of the efficacy of it, regardless of the economics of it, whether or not the Sox deserve a stadium, which <laughs> given what they've done, I don't agree with. <laughs> But there's a, there's a momentum here now that's kind of moving towards that people want something on this lot. They've wanted it for forever. There's only one little part of it that has something built on it. Uh, and there's a lot of people who want this to be a crowning achievement in their careers as politicians, as urban planners. The fact that Jerry Reinsdorf gets richer from it is a price that people who don't have to pay money are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, somehow in your optimism, the most cynical take of all, because all these little people yeah. will be squashed. But yeah, that's reality. Yeah.
Yeah. Uh, Christian actually... ended up better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> I was worried where I was going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> We have to pull you in. We have to pull you in. It's cohesive, uh, Crystal. I take it your take is probably a little harsher and um, more down about the seventy-eight. But um, thoughts about this actually surfacing? I mean, I am fully supportive of their ideas, what they want to do with the seventy-eight. Because, and I hate to say this, but I go to Detroit for a Tigers game, and that entire area is incredible. I mean, yeah. you've got, you have all the different sports teams in Detroit kind of right there and they do, they make it into this really fun place to be like the, the bars and restaurants are there. They've got Eminem's restaurant, but like it, it gives that like crazy circus atmosphere that mm -hmm. is just so much fun for your fans. And you could really just kind of, depending on the season, hop over and see multiple games in a day. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love so much about their ballpark. If the White Sox could even just take a sliver of what Detroit does um, with their sports teams in that aspect, then I think it would be amazing and it would be worthwhile. And I don't think people would hate the idea of funding it, but I just think Jerry's always gonna be trying to one up everything he does to the point where it's just not gonna work and it's, I don't know. All right. So then here's a speed question to throw out there. If Jerry Reinsdorf is not, if Jerry Reinsdorf goes away, you you can fill in the blanks there. If he goes away, is this, are we more optimistic that this actually gets done if Jerry actually isn't a figure or may, or conversely, if there's not a guy who's going to like set demands the way you know he will, does it have no hope of getting done because I don't know his a son or a new a new a buyer would not have um, the kind of muscle and, and flex? Uh, if Reinsdorf is not in the picture, do we feel better or worse about the prospects of the '78? Honestly, I still feel like he's going to be the one that pulls it off. He runs mm -hmm. the city. He's got mm -hmm. two teams. I couldn't agree more with Crystal. Like I think of it almost as an analog of like Mike Madigan, who was a corrupt scumbag, but he was super effective. Mm. Like Madigan knew how to pull all the levers of power. I'm not saying Reinsdorf is actually corrupt or anything like that. I'm not trying to compare him to Madigan, but like. You're not, not saying it, but okay. <laughs> Chicago is a city still built on clout and Reinsdorf yeah. has clout. I see. Yeah. You, you go back to the whole six championships thing. Mm -hmm. And therefore, any argument that you have about Reinsdorf being corrupt or not being able to do anything kind of goes out the window because you're like, oh, no. Do you remember the Bulls in the 90s? Mm -hmm. So he's going to hold on to that power. And he's got his hands in so many pockets mm -hmm. of any politician in Illinois. So, I mean, he's going to get it if he really wants it. He's just going to be a dick about it. And let's not overlook, Crystal, that he did deliver the one World Series in a lifetime that actually counts. So, I mean, you know, let's let's face it. I mean, that's, you know, I don't know if that offsets completely the the six bulls, but yeah, we'll call it a wash. Uh, yeah, no, that's, you know, that is some, some, some flax. And, you know, in our criticism of Jerry, which, you know, his, his, he's made himself open to from a number of different angles, maybe every angle, frankly. Um, yeah. I mean, it is tempting then to overlook 
yeah, just the, the power he wields. And um, and to be fair, because it's 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 getting hard, it's getting hazier now in this last decade with the White Sox in particular. But the success he's had now, even that, I know people, some people have just broken their um, satellite radios and hearing that because it's like, well, wait, this many playoffs and this many years. So I get success maybe is is relative, if not for the gift of Michael Jordan, you know, we're talking about him in an entirely different light. But the truth is, you know, okay, uh, on the resume, there are seven rings, and um, again, the only one in baseball that counts. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there, there is something to that. Um, you know, even Crystal has to reluctantly agree with me uh, there because this has created an ugly, ugly monster on the north side, which I'm afraid we're going to be having to deal with for too many years as we're rebuilding or whatever it is as we flounder through the decade of the 2020s. But at least we got a lot of players on the roster. We have more players on the roster now fighting out in spring training than there are even numbers. I imagine there may be a triple-digit player, for goodness there's, sake, or maybe just a blank. There's so many that they have to put their names. Like, they have to label all the <laughs> Yeah, players. yeah. They the have no idea who any of these people were or anything. <laughs> the White's actually the only team that's happy with the ugly new uniforms because it's like, okay, the smaller type, we can just fit more stuff on them. And guys who just walk in from the street with a jersey and their name on it? <laughs> Hey, you know, maybe we won't notice a couple games in. You know, I do love what they posted though today because again, they've been putting little like little tabs on people, but they did have to put Luis Robert Jr. and I was like, oh yeah, because we don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the labels. Muscular man walking into camp. yeah, Thank yeah. You. We're so angry at the team, we forgot about our one MVP candidate, the guy we desperately need to see play 150 games, as promised, this season. Yeah. Uh, well, we will be, I don't know, it may be, we'll be off a little bit with the podcast. I'm going to be away for a little bit, but uh, we will be back as spring training really starts to get rolling, and we have all these great results. About the time that probably uh, Mitch starts to put together his first like MVP of the spring and all that stuff, once we're really getting excited about how good this team is and its potential, you know we're going to be back for probably multiple podcasts. We'll probably just have to devote one to the pitchers, all the pitchers that I mocked, and then one to the hitters, and then one to uh, the front office. So, you know, we may just have like a podcast a day once March really starts to get rolling. But we do have some other exciting things coming. One, now that our uh, top prospect uh, vote poll is pretty much done now, uh, early March, we're going to have our White Sox Hall of Fame vote. We took a year off. We're going to do that again. That's going to be fun. We have some uh, interesting stuff in SOAR, not really exactly completely specified yet. We're going to do some fun stuff uh, around the time of International Women's Day. And, uh, you know, of course, our usual relentless day after day, night after night coverage of this team that Pretty much most seasons, at least I've been around here, hasn't really warranted such coverage. But we still are going to put a lot of muscle behind our coverage of the team, even in spring training. So that's just around the corner as soon as, I believe, this Friday. Gosh, these games have come up way too quickly. But, hey, you know, at least we won't just be able to randomly grouse about 78 and 4A players. We'll be able to grouse about real things once games start. So, all right, that'll be different. A little oh different tone change. Yeah, Crystal, I, you know, I'm sorry to have to throw that out there. I wanted to break it to you a little bit uh, more but softly than that. But that is true. The podcast that's worth listening to, no matter how terrible one or both teams are, because it's Crystal and a great guest each time out. And relent speaking of relentless, Pretty much, 
pretty much every series. That is uh, beyond belief. And of course, I'm not committing Crystal to that, but she just on her own says, you know what? I'm rolling out again. I'm rolling out again. There's more people to talk from Kansas City. There's more people to talk to from Detroit. I'm just going to keep doing it. So that's awesome. Uh, yes, coming soon. We are like less than well, about a month away from visiting Dugout. That is awesome as well. Uh, Brian, Crystal, thanks. And uh, uh, accompanying um, house bets. Thank you for being part of this podcast. We will be uh, at you at Southside Sox and Sox Populi as soon as we can get back to you. And it certainly will be once games start really rolling and we get some momentum and we start to see some trends. And maybe 50 of those guys are already out of camp by that time. But then we can really hone down and talk about the guys who count like I don't know, Yoan Mankata or somebody else. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Crystal. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back at you, oh, I don't know, 